Welcome to the Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast, where we offer resources to help youth pastors center their ministry in the gospel and disciple their students toward lifelong faith in Jesus. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to you. Whenever you're listening to this podcast, my name is Tucker Fleming. I'm the new host of the Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast, and I'm so excited today to get to chat with you about gospel-centered youth ministry. Today we'll begin a new season, quote-unquote, of the Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast, where we'll be talking about the foundations of youth ministry. Now, what we have in mind here is not just Rooted's five pillars of youth ministry, which can be found on the website, but also several things that undergird and support those five pillars, things that we think generally must be done in order to make sure those five pillars are standing up straight or to help them continue to stand up straight. Today, we'll be talking about theological depth through biblical teaching, but we'll be speaking about it specifically in how exactly youth ministers can and perhaps should go about teaching the Bible to their students. We've got a dear friend of mine and an incredible pastor in his own right, Steve Yates, who's the pastor of students and families at InTown Church in Atlanta, here with us today to talk to us about teaching the Bible uh, in youth ministry. Steve, welcome to the show. Tell us a little more about who you are and what you do. Thanks so much for having me. Rooted has been uh, just such an important part of of my ministry and encouraging me for the last almost seven years since I connected with you guys. Um, Yeah, so this is year seven for me at InTown. Um, We're a PCA church in Atlanta. Uh, This is year 17 for me in youth ministry. Um, Somewhere in there, realized I wanted some additional um, instruction and learning. So I, I got an MDiv at Covenant Seminary in St. Louis. And God's crazy and asked, uh, called me to kind of continue both with some teaching there, but also um, I am very slowly slogging through a PhD uh, at Trinity Divinity School up in Chicago uh, in education, but with a focus on youth ministry. Um, And it's a slog, but it's a joyous slog, but it is a slog because, uh, you know, ministry here, uh, but also I have uh, five really awesome kids uh, who right now are four, five, six, seven, eight. Wow. So it's, uh, it's, it's fun at my house right now. Yeah, I bet. Uh, probably not a lot of quiet around the Yates household. Uh, awesome, man. Well, yeah, I, you know, as you mentioned, Steve, one of the reasons, um, you know, we wanted to have you on to chat about this particular topic, not only because you're very good at it, um, as a pastor, but also because, you know, you're probably one of the most educated people relative to like pedagogy and students that, uh, that we've, you know, been able to make acquaintance with. So, um, man, I figured we just kind of start and set the stage with as broad a question as we can. And that is what role does teaching the Bible play in your ministry? Why is that an important piece of the student and family ministry at you at in town? Um, why why has that kind of been the centerpiece of what you guys do there? Yeah, I mean, I mean, in some ways, right, this should be kind of softball-y, but but intentionally in a sense, right, that that you know, we're the church. God is life, God's word is 
you know, literally the air we breathe. Um, and so we want to make sure that, you know, I, I always want to make sure that while I'm not, I'm not a separate church in my youth ministry mm-hmm. from our wider church, that nonetheless, you know, youth ministry is this wonderful place where kind of a unique kind of teaching can happen um, that reaches students and connects with them and builds them up. Um, yeah, re- really in a unique way. So we want to be that kind of place where that can happen. And I really think this has just been a kind of conviction of mine for a long time that students are a lot smarter than we ever give them credit for. I think historically in the church, um, yeah, you know, it's if you good. Look at a lot of youth ministry, we still think about, it kind of still resembles kind of vacation Bible school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, I've got, I got students who, you know, are on their third language or, you know, they're on track to go to MIT or, you know, they're taking advanced calculus in 10th grade. And, you know, while I've got my own issues with trying to deal with some of their, you know, overwork and whatnot, at least if nothing else, they're engaging issues at a level of information and um, I mean, maturity in some ways, not in other ways, but maturity in a sense that we can't, we can't offer them softballs back. Um, I think yeah, they, they, that's hear, they hear scripture sometimes when they hear it that way, they, it becomes inconsequential to them. The, the, yeah. the relevancy question isn't a question of, you know, is Jesus cool or not? The relevancy question is about, can can these ideas stand against and interact with all of these other sources that are speaking into my life? Um, and so, so I would say, you know, the Bible plays, you know, such a massive role there and the, the way in which the level at which we want to teach and engage um, kind of goes hand in hand with that. Yeah. That's really good, Steve. I, you know, when I was in youth ministry, my temptation was always to look at the hyper socialization of my kids as like a straight negative. Um, that's a really interesting take and a helpful take to look at hyper hyper socialization as, yeah, maybe a thing that needs to be tempered in some areas, but also as like a marker that our students can handle maybe a lot more than we think they can. It is what it is. Um, Yeah. You know, I have students asking me, you know, when they ask me about evolution, they're not asking me about sort of a cookie cutter evolution, bad Bible. (laughs) Yeah. They're coming to me with, I've read Darwin and let's talk, you know, so, so that, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's good. That's super helpful. Yeah. Thanks for setting the stage. You know, I think, um, we can talk about teaching the Bible and just kind of assume and understandably so that that's just how youth ministry should go. But I think it's always good to kind of retread the foundations there. When it comes to teaching the Bible, I remember when I got my first youth ministry job, I reached out to an old youth pastor of mine for advice. And one of the two pieces of advice he gave me was just teach the Bible. And I remember thinking, man, yeah, that's so good and simple. But 
it just doesn't go very far. Like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know what that practice looks like. I don't even know how to kind of put together a biblical message or, or anything like that. So I think to that end, a question I have is that pastors in general, Steve, and I think youth pastors included oftentimes see series organization as either completely topical or completely what we might call Lectio Continua or just the practice of preaching through entire books by entire books, for example, preaching through or teaching through Mark and then teaching through Genesis and then teaching through X or Y book after that, instead of kind of let's do a series on dating, let's do a series on identity, et cetera, et cetera. All of which I think has its merits and demerits. Um, So, I think we can get caught up in kind of either side of that spectrum, super topical, super book by book. Uh, I think rooted definitely falls on the book by book side of the spectrum generally, but uh, it seems like it would be a mistake to kind of pit these two themes or ways of teaching against each other. Now I know that you have a way of kind of teaching book by book while also emphasizing certain topical elements. I just love to hear a little bit about how you kind of marry the middle while still kind of maintaining that book by book fidelity. Yeah, no, thank you so much for the question. It it might be helpful as I answer that to talk just a little bit about what some some of the pros and cons of those extremes on that spectrum are. Definitely. Um, So yeah, classic youth ministry, very topical, um, right. By topical, let's just kind of make sure we define topical being the the source of the topic itself is coming from some outside source. It's not coming from the Bible. We're bringing a sure. question to the Bible, right? Um, and and so topical, you know, has uh, you can understand that there's some negatives there, and, and I think that's kind of where where rooted is is really trying to do some good correction. Where, um, you know, how do we get that topic? Well, sometimes we might ask our students what they want to learn about, um, or we observe things that they we think they need, and th- those things aren't necessarily bad. Mm-hmm. It's just subjective, and so that's going to rise and fall on our ability to discern our people. Again, that's a great missional practice. So it's not, you know, this is why we're not saying topical, horrible, right. exegetical, book by book, Lexio Continua type thing, awesome caveman style. But right, um, but we just have to check that. Like, like you know, I know something that that I have to check as a pastor a lot is there are just certain things I'm better at teaching at than other things, and so I'm going to naturally gravitate towards some of those or, or sometimes where we we can adopt an overly moral panic kind of i gotta i gotta defeat this sin in my youth group and and we don't realize that that actually doesn't it doesn't do what we think it's going to do i mean i, I remember yeah, growing up that's good kid in the 90s and um we probably had a month plus of true love weights absence dating stuff every single February. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that sense, right. Of this isn't necessarily a bad topic, but you only have so much time. And so it's, there's always going to be that war. Um, right. Flip side topical does allow us to bring questions to the Bible that are real. 
mm-hmm. um, and maybe questions that aren't explicitly answered in the text. And so we do have to do some kind of pastoral shepherding. So, you know, scripture talks a lot about sexuality, um, doesn't go into great detail about transsexuality. And, but that's a huge question, right? That our culture is dealing with right now. And so it's going to have to be some kind of topical approach to be able to help students wrestle through that. It's just thinking about thinking about it like your nutritional diet, right? You need all of these things. Mm-hmm. That's what book by book does well, is yeah, that yeah. because you are kind of forced into an order, um, you're just going to deal with what comes next, what the author brings up next. You can, um, you're going to hit topics that you weren't necessarily planning on hitting. Um, and and actually, it's it's a great. Um, sometimes it's a great excuse. Um, you know, so, so this is, this is a real thing. So I brought up sexuality, you know, I've I've talked on the podcast before. I've got a number of students who, um, are same sex attracted, wrestle through that. We're a conservative church in our stance on sexuality. So it's actually a kind of praise God that these students keep coming and want to come. But there is an honesty that if I do a sermon on homosexuality, it feels like targeting to them. But if I'm going to just teach through Romans, I'm going to hit Romans, the latter half of Romans 1. Right. Yeah. You're just playing the text where it lies. But I'm playing the text where it lies. And, and I don't mean that as a cop out, but it really right. does help, I think, to sometimes hit those topics in a way that um, depersonalizes that choice some and lets us see the whole counsel of God on stuff. Um, what it also does is it kind of, we model for our students, um, inductive Bible study. Yeah. Like we can actually talk good. about context. We can talk about genre. We can talk about how are the original readers reading, hearing, understanding this in light of what they knew. Um, you can just kind of walk through that in a way that you don't necessarily with topical, but it can be a slog sometimes. Um, even though scripture is wonderful, it doesn't always feel that way all the time. Um, what you're hitting week after week, isn't always what you wish you would hit or feel like your students necessarily do need in the moment. Um, and so depending you're, you're sort of at that point at the mercy of the cohesiveness of the book as to how logically the, the, the passages or chunks fit together. So again, a book like Romans, like every single paragraph leads very well into the next one. Yeah. You take a book like Isaiah, you know, and and I hold to Isaiah being written all by Isaiah, but not necessarily at one time. Right. Isaiah reads more like a journal that he's doing a couple passages in. And then a couple of years later, he picks it back up and adds some more. And then a couple of years later, and that disjointedness can sometimes be jarring. And then just the issue of length too, right? right. I mean, we, we, we honestly live on a clock. Every youth ministry is going to be different, but um, like, I mean, my, my ministry that the honest reality is in terms of regular teaching blocks, I have about 15 a semester, mm-hmm. maybe throw an extra five in for a summer Bible study or something like that. But 15 a semester in a book by book teaching is not easy Right. To have some sort of actual arc that you're talking about before you start losing students to 
vacation and finals and different things. And we know enough educationally about retention rates dropping during vacation for students on just regular academic learning. So it's even more so with a series where you're actually working through something where you're hoping they're going to kind of be remembering week to week what it is. So that, that's just some pros and cons. Yeah. Um, sorry, that was a, a big download. No, that's super, super helpful. I think your point about um, you only having a certain amount of time with your students is, is a helpful kind of reminder to just be as prudent as possible um, in what you choose to teach. I, you know, if you have a kid who's in your youth ministry for six years from sixth grade to 12th grade, and they get like eight end times teaching series, you know, sure. You know, maybe it's worth wondering, is that, was that the best use of those six years? And, you know, to your point, you got 15 slots a semester and, um, you know, that's, that's 30 in a year. And you figure even your probably most strenuous attenders are going to be there. I don't know, 20, 25 weeks. That's if you're going to do Isaiah in a year, you got to be running at a two or three chapters a week clip, which like good luck in Isaiah. Right. Right. So, so, so basically it's just helpful to see that there are always, maybe it's not a good thing to say compromise. Um, I was about to say compromises, no matter what it's, maybe it's not a good thing to say compromises. They're just going to be their intentional choices that you're going to make as a shepherd of your kids. That's good. That are always going to be unique to them. You're always going to have these pros and cons in your head. And so, so yes, we're going to push book by book a lot more because it's right. effective to kind of classic youth ministry as a whole, but let, I don't think rooted or anybody is trying to be the exegetical police that is sure saying you're doing X or Y or Z wrong because you're not falling somewhere on this, on this spectrum. Right. Um, so here's what I do though, that, that helps me out some, you know, again, it's really helpful to think about it as a spectrum. You can take either one of those views, the book by book or the topical. And I think you can click it just a little bit towards the middle mm-hmm. from either direction and you can actually get some of the values and strengths of the other side in what you're doing. So on the book by book side, what this looks like is I am going to, because even when we do book by book, unless you're literally preaching chronologically through a Testament or the entire Bible, which I mean, most pastors, even if you're literally doing 52 sermons a year, very few people ever hit the entire Bible because it's right. It's yeah. Um, so, so even there, you're making a subjective choice based on your people and the leading of the Holy spirit as to what book are we going to touch next? And so, so what I, I want to do is to be able to say, that's okay. We trust the Holy spirit. And so it is okay to pick a book of the Bible based on what it's over or one of its overarching emphases and then to while we are going to preach mostly book by book through it or or, or verse by verse chapter by chapter pericope chunk by chunk whatever through it we can do so with an emphasis with an eye towards something so example of this about five years ago 
oh man, never mind, seven years ago, COVID brain, um, 2016 election, um, we did a series on politics for a semester because, uh, I mean, obviously it was everywhere. Right. Um, and so we picked Daniel and we walked exegetically, book by book, through Daniel, but we were, the, the passages we were emphasizing was the way in which government keeps popping up in Daniel. Yeah. Politics keeps popping up in Daniel. So um, a, a mentor of mine um, said that the coverage is the enemy of understanding and the downside of that's uh, good of a, 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 a such a minutia verse by verse word study by word study um, kind of crawl through a scripture, even though you can mine it and it's so beautiful in other ways, is that sense that um, kind of that focus isn't necessarily there. So in that Daniel study, even when we got to the prophetic end times last third of Daniel, we were still focusing on, you know, what does this say about who's in control? God is in control or the powers of this world, the government, the, you know, things that are in charge. We just were able to do that. And so you kind of got talking about a topic, but in the context of what did this person at this time with these historical contextual things have to say from God to God's people? Um, so you can kind of see how that still yeah. has a topic sense to it. And we've done that with Corinthians and sexuality. We've done that with a little bit more like systematic theology through Romans. There are just lots of different places, right? Yeah. Um, then the other tick on the other side is um, topically, but anchoring either this, the whole series or at least the topic itself in a particular text. So even people who are kind of allergic to topical, we end up doing topical anyway. Sometimes when we're like, let's do the parables of Jesus or let's do, right. you know, the, you know, whatever, because you're still pulling chunks that are not directly connected to one another. Right, right. right. Yeah. But what's great in a, a thing like that is you're still rooting it in one spot or kind of the same thing we did with Daniel. You're just coming at it from the other direction figuring out, Hey, my kids want, my students want to learn about X or Y or Z. Where's one spot in scripture that talks about this. And then again, let's, let's root it there. It doesn't mean you can't even pull other perspectives or other things in. Um, it doesn't mean you can't, um, you're just trying to avoid proof texting, you know? So, so if I'm going to go into, into this approach, it's, you know, it, with my topic, even though I might still pull from four or five different spots in scripture, I'm going to take one of those spots and really develop it. And it becomes the, the staging point, the foundation point that all these other passages I might be pulling in are being compared to or questioning. So an example of this, um, a couple of years ago as well, um, here in Atlanta, we had a lot of racial strife happening around the Black Lives Matter movement and police shootings and struggles there. And so uh, somebody watches at some point some TikTok that says that Christians are pro-slavery and quotes scripture about it and whatnot. My kids come to me freaking out. So we want to talk about slavery. 
Well, topically is a great way to talk about slavery because then you can pull in the Old Testament, you can pull in the differences between that slavery and chattel slavery, and then go to the New Testament and talk about Paul's master slave language and stuff like that. Or you can teach Philemon. And that's what we did is we went to Philemon and you know Philemon is a book where Paul is literally writing to one of his friends who is a slaveholder about this other friend who is also a slave Onesimus and Paul is challenging Philemon to not receive Onesimus back as a runaway slave but as a brother in Christ and so in the context of that we still were able to quote the Old Testament and look at some other things, but we were able to, to say in that in that place, is it possible for a slave owner to keep a slave and actually receive them and treat them as a full brother in Christ? And, and so kind of being able to put the weight and the focus on that, just, just as an example of that, that ability to say, you know, the, the text is making the point. Yeah. It's not that I already had a point and I had to come find some, you know, Google 50 verses about faith and then string a couple of them together and try to put enough evidence on the table to make my point. The text makes the point. Um, but just coming from that side, it's, I knew the text was going to make this point and that's why I picked it, but I still want to make sure that it's the text it's making the point and my, my students see how and why the text is making that point. So they don't, they don't, you know, I really do think kids today again have, have a lot of, because of all of that intelligence and, and but also because of um, distrust of media, distrust of different sources, cynicism in our environment as well they smell proof texting a whole lot more than they used to. That's good. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I remember growing up again and getting those books for graduation that had, you know, here's a chapter on faith and it's a hundred verses on faith. And then here's a chapter to go to if you're sad and, and, and going, you know, we feel the, the kitschiness of mm-hmm. those now, I think a whole lot more. Um, so, so these, this kind of middling approach, I think allows us to still hit, where our students really are at, but in a way that they still see the Bible as a cohesive thing and a cohesive thing that they can take with them and will be taking with them into college, into the rest of their life. So it's not just they're always a consumer um, of somebody else's exposition, like they're able to kind of eat for themselves. Yeah, man, that's good. Um so let's say, Steve, you've picked the book, right? Maybe you've gotten real ambitious and you've said for school year 2023 to 2024, we're going to run through Isaiah and we're going to be judicious about the things that we pick. You know, maybe we'll spend the fall on Isaiah 1 through 39 and, you know, God's kind of judgment against his people. And then in the spring, perfect timing, Easter, et cetera we'll spend on 40 to 66, right? Uh, on a new Exodus and a resurrection and everything else. Now let's say you get into the saddle in early August or whenever you start prepping for talk or study or message number one, what's your general practice for 
you know, planning your first lesson on Isaiah, which I imagine is probably going to be Isaiah one or two and treating the text as it lies, but also kind of having an eye toward a couple of themes or maybe one theme that you're really looking to draw out of the text that the Lord's kind of set on your heart. And then doing it in such a way that you don't steal the thunder from future passages. Does that make sense? Totally. Totally. Um, I don't want to freak out any listeners. Okay. Um, when I say this, so, so don't hit the stop button immediately on the podcast. I don't start in August. I start in April or May. Oh, that's um, interesting. That's, that's going to, again, cause I mean, I'm a youth pastor. I get how busy the summer is. So, but okay. One of the great benefits of leaning on a more book by book approach is that while yes, you're dealing with a different passage each week, you're dealing with the same context mm-hmm. each week. And so um, when I say I start in April or May, I'm not writing all of my talks ahead of time. Right. I am doing two things simultaneously. I do have a spreadsheet open with all my slots and I have a commentary or two next to me. And what I'm doing kind of simultaneously is I'm trying to break up the text. I'm trying to make those choices that we just talked about. Um, now I'll hold all those loosely, um, whether sure. that's building in some, some extra or just sometimes I'll flag a, you know, this one probably is going to be one of my weaker talks or it's going to be a lighter night or whatever we have, we have space for, we need to spend two weeks on this or, or whatever. Um, but I do plan out at least a semester in advance each week, what I'm hitting. Um, that's good. And that, that helps me. Um, also I've done all of the, the contextual work then ahead of time as well. And, and maybe some extra topical work. Again, in that Daniel study, that meant I'm going to read commentaries on Daniel. I'm going to read Russell Moore's book that came out around that time about politics and partisanship. Yeah. You know? and so, so I'm kind of doing this kind of pre-reading. What I'm doing is I'm writing six or seven talks at once that way. Yeah. So wow. Given week. And again, I don't want people to get overwhelmed about this because I'm not saying I did this in a crash course. I will say there have been a couple of years where I did actually go away, do, do like a study leave for two or three weeks when, um, you know, when the summer got, you know, downtime and summer camps were over and stuff. And I was able to knock some out in, in some years, but, but nonetheless, like I'm entering any given week probably with my sermon half done with my teaching half that's done. awesome i know where i'm going to be going i know um general point um one of my seminary professors just call it the 3 a.m test like if somebody called you woke you up at 3 a.m saturday night and said what's your sermon on sunday about you could give this you know half drunken asleep babble about what it is and it would still be cohesive enough in your mind that it wasn't a wandering rabbit trail type thing yeah but that's really helpful for me because ministry is busy right and 
I mean, all of us have struggled with the write the talk the night before or yeah. different things like that. And, and sometimes as a pastor and a dad, that still happens, but, but I'm not starting from zero. Right. That's super, going. super I've got good. pacing. Um, in, in education, that, that concept is called scope and sequence, mm-hmm. it's knowing how big are your chunks going to be and what's the order that those chunks are going to be in. Um, and, and yeah, so, so that just ends up being really, really helpful, at least a semester ahead of time. That's how I would handle the one other thing I'd also do just because you gave you gave a good example in saying a book that we're really going to cover for a year. I'm still thinking about meta arcs or mm-hmm. meta teaching. And that's, again, where I'm saying that there's that sort of overarching you know, even though Isaiah is going to deal with week to week, something a little bit different, largely we're talking about judgment. Um, I always want to leave my kids with gospel hope. Yeah. But I kind of want to leave the summer with God or the, the, the semester with gospel hope too. Yeah. So even there, like, I'm going to think about, you know, in your example of Isaiah, even, even if I end with, Jerusalem burning and you know before we're going to go into into exile you know prophecies about exile and prophecies about a need for redemption um I might look forward I I might preach and this is where topical can come into book by book sure my last sermon there might be on Jesus as the new temple like it, it might be on you know I might throw this one last thing into it to help kind of wrap up that arc yeah or or, or season of television you know if you're thinking about it that way right you know i put a bow on this so that the kid who doesn't come back or the kid yeah i've got a number of kids who are incredibly faithful one semester but they're crazy hardcore into a sport right and And so spring is tough for them yeah spring or fall hits depending on I'm going to see them six months out of the year, you know? So, yeah. so again, that, that ability to still um, wrap enough up um, even in the middle of a book yeah, that there's a takeaway. Um, so I'm all, often going to try to find the, um, the kind of climactic arcs within a book. So it's very similar, like Romans, Romans hinges on, the, the, the seven, seven and eight, this idea mm-hmm. that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus after spending literally seven chapters talking about how we have no hope in our sin without God. Right. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure to get to that. Even if I want to say, Oh, Romans eight's awesome. I want to spend more than one week on this and oh, we're at Christmas time and I'm rushed. And if I want to get through my original scope and sequence, of the first half of Romans in the first semester, I got to spend one week on Romans eight. No, I'm going to push Romans eight to the spring, but I'm going to end with something. I say something good. I just mean something gospel hope wrapped up center. Right. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's super helpful. That makes a lot of sense, man. Well, Steve, I think we're bumping up on our time for today, but thanks so much for walking us through teaching book by book, teaching topically by teaching book by book, and for giving us a little context to, you know, how we might 
do that well or, you know, giving us a little buffet line uh, that we can kind of take little bits and pieces from uh, as we work into, gosh, I guess the end of the spring semester and into the, to the fall. It's coming fast. So, Steve, brother, thanks so, so much for joining me today. I look forward to seeing you in November at the Rooted Conference. Yes, please. And if you're listening, I'd love to meet you too. I'm, I'm, you know, like I said, this is what rooted seven for me. And it's every single year, one of the best weekends of my life. And so love to love to connect with new people. Yeah. Good deal. Y'all take the boy up on that. He's a, a blast and a super, super smart guy. So awesome. Well, Steve, thanks so much. We'll see you around. Thank you.